stupid ass fucking bitch ass stupid motherfucker stupid idiot fucking moron fucking dumb bitch <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Ian. And I'm Marco. And Marco, I haven't been able to, like, exhale very well for the last, I don't know how many days. Obviously, I mean, we had so much action. We have so many talking points. We got Carlos Sainz getting his first win. Guan Yu Zhou looking like he was probably dead live. Um, and too much time passed to where I was, I kind of convinced myself. I was like, all right, well, we need a new Alfa Romeo driver. Rest in peace. <laughs> Kubica. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, Kubica, bring back Giga Kubica. Um, we had yeah Alex Albon going to the hospital. We had Ferrari fucking up strategy again. We had Danny Ricardo underperforming for McLaren. Let's get into all of it. Um, but first off, I mean, how how are you feeling? What's your take of uh, of the past weekend? Where's where's the Marco brain right now? I feel like people describe certain races as a roller coaster of a race. This was the epitome of a roller coaster race. More importantly, because most roller coasters go upside down, and we saw that this weekend. So uh, this really felt like we were watching a roller coaster just accidentally. And yeah, I mean, that would have been one of the first times I've seen a live death. So uh, thank goodness I kept that streak going on that it did not happen. Um, Actually, no, that that did end a couple weeks ago. Did end a couple weeks ago for George the Groundhog. Um, But a live human death was, yeah, you know. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. George the homie. Um, yeah. yeah, man. Like there, there were so I remember thinking like midway through this race, be like, I don't need like this is going to be hard to prep a podcast for because there are so many things that we need to talk to so or talk about. So let's get into all of them right now um, for this episode of the Eden Asphalt Podcast. We'll give you our good, bad, and ugly of the weekend. We'll talk about our race recap, some race haikus, our race predictions recap, which I am massively dreading because of Marco's past weekend. And finally, we'll look ahead to the Austrian Grand Preview um, because we are racing in the Red Bull Ring in just a couple days here. So let's get right into it. All right, good, bad, ugly. Marco, why don't you start us off? I would love to. My good is going to be me. And my big old brain, baby. I could not. I I really tried to think of something outside of my stellar performance. Like, Signs had a stellar performance. Um, I had a stellar performance for my race predictions. And I just would be doing myself a disservice if I did not choose myself. So um, I think at one point we were texting each other. I was about to sweep the board. Like, everything was in place for this yep. potentially to have be the first, what, six for six or eight for eight, whatever we do. Uh, and eight, yeah, yeah a, a couple things didn't go my way, but um, I think I was just, I was shocked and super surprised at um, the amount, but it was more of the, the what the ones that I did get right were I think long shots. And I think that we had so many yeah. of those happening that um, yeah, it's not typical. Like if a lot of the times, if one of us does chalk and it's like, Oh man, like we had max pull max, win, max, blah, 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 or something like that. That's, understandable but these were first timers for a lot of those so i just wanted to give myself a little pat on the back um that was that was shocking and i feel like for if i chose this week to actually bet on formula one i think i'd probably have to quit my job because i would have been 
some massive payouts for sure. Definitely. I've been, listen, so we are recording on Wednesday, which is later because we took uh, some time off for the holiday, the 4th of July holiday. I have been spending a lot of time thinking about how I want to twist this and spin this so that you don't get full points. Um, one of the ways that I thought of was, hey, we're celebrating the 4th of July weekend. Why, you know, why are we, you know, taking so- something so seriously as like something that came from British, like, or from, from Britain, we should like kind of, I, I would say throw these away. I thought that was kind of my leading one. That's a, um, that's a good lead. I was, <laughs> was going to say that maybe we just, you know, we have, we institute a new rule kind of FIA style that we change it, you know, mid season and say we get one throwaway week for each of us. I really, really, you know, kind of kick the tires to be like, how can I stop this? But yeah. Uh, you know, I think I just gotta gotta swallow gotta swallow the pride on this one and give credit where credit's due. And we'll get to the race recaps, but four out of eight race predictions correct, like half of the race predictions correct, two of which have never happened before um, that you got right. Like, I mean, uh, just just tip of the hat to you, buddy. This is this Thank is you. this is you are the engine that that uh, that makes this podcast go. So I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was exhilarating for sure. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that is gonna be my good. My bad. Uh, my bad is gonna be. Race security and them not being very good at their job because um, something that they didn't and which like most sports don't like to show other than maybe soccer that I feel like, you know, when there is someone jumping on the, onto the track, onto the field, uh, football, anything, they hide that. Really wish that weren't the case. I know you're not supposed to like, you know, like celebritize these people, but um, very confused because the the broadcast did an amazing job at covering out what was going on. It was all through Twitter being like, hey, there's a bunch of people on the track uh, protesting uh, because we had so much going on outside of like a potential death. We almost had like a bunch of other potential deaths. And I think that that, that crash actually saved probably crashes of those protesters getting like obliterated. So uh, I think that, yeah, the security needs to beef, beef up a little bit because it seemed a little too easy for like seven people to get on the track. You know, in soccer, when they have those, like, it, it seems like they have like a hundred different people wrapped around like the end lines, just like blocking people from getting in. I've always thought that was overkill, but in F1, like the, the stadium, the place where the sport occurs is so large where it's like, yeah, guys, like we can't, you can't cover everything. So you're right. We do need to beef up security. And yeah, dude, that's uh that, that plays into one of my good, bad and ugly, but, but holy shit, man. Well, I, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. You just move on to your ugly. I'll go. Okay. My ugly, there was very few things. I feel like that I was able to find that was ugly this weekend. Uh, so it took a little bit of it. But I think that the, the biggest thing for me is the fight for first. Because with Max having like a piece of wing in his car, destroying his performance and really not giving him like any fighting ability to like actually make it up and make up places like we saw Sergio do, uh, which we saw so many drivers do, that the the Ferrari gap really didn't close that much. And that was just like such an unfortunate thing where it's, hey, like this guy is like barely like kind of towards the end of the bottom 10, not making up much coverage. And for Ferrari to, I think it was like an only six points or something to cut, cover the gap. Uh, it was, it was just, it was tough to see, um, especially with Leclerc, like, and I think we're going to probably talk about this a, a good amount, but um, Leclerc, I th- don't think necessarily it was his fault but um, not having a great strategy, I think, think some decisions throughout the race were causing um, some or lack of decisions, I would say, from the Ferrari uh, paddock. 
that uh, caused him some places in the race. So, I mean, when when you have a, a driver like that with Max that uh, just has something broken in his car, and you can only make up that those certain amount of points, um, it just doesn't doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. When probably that's not going to happen too often. A hundred percent, unless you're way faster than the Red Bull, which you're not. Um, yeah, you need to capitalize on times where stuff doesn't go wrong for your opponents. And yeah, not not being able to do that, especially for Charles. Uh, was was sick. I don't want to talk too much about that because I'm going to get to that in my good, bad, and ugly. Oh well. God, we had some pretty pretty <laughs> similar uh, pretty similar overlap here. But yeah, let me uh, let me kick off my good, bad, and ugly here. My good is going to be red flags because, as you said, uh, well, you know, red flags typically are not what you want to see um, just in general throughout the race weekend. But thank God that we had them because if we didn't, I think there would be several different dead protesters and some red colored uh, front wings. That that weren't necessarily supposed to be like that on the Silverstone tarmac. So Just Stop Oil was the group that caused the disruption. They say they won't stop uh, disrupting public events until the UK stops attempting new oil projects or stops accepting or starting new oil projects. Um, F1 sort of tried to like weirdly cover it up because in their statement they said we had some protesters that attempted uh, to come onto the track even though like they clearly succeeded right you can kind of use this like semantic argument for anything like oh yeah you know i was uh my my friends attempted to uh to go to the strip club (laughs) you don't tell them if they succeeded the attempt yeah exactly like (laughs) unfortunately some people tried to go to the strip club in the group that i was at last night like oh did you go like well yes but they did attempt i think that's the important thing is that the disappointment was the attempt the success (laughs) so be it Right, yeah, that's secondary. Um, but yeah, thank God for the red flags because it made everybody slow down and like the, the the protesters were like taking up over half of the, like look like over half of the width of the grid. And so, yeah, uh, seeing the onboard cams of the driver, they get me so confused of like, hey, what is what is going on here? Like as you're going you know, relatively fast, you're slowed down in a in a like red flag scenario, but still seeing people just sit down on the track, uh man thank thank god that red flag came out because you know like i get it man you want to draw attention we're talking about it now it was the talk of the town on social media and like news outlets for a while but like no one really knew what they were protesting about and it's like is it worth dying <laughs> right? that had just been so, that so people... freaking scary being on that track <laughs> dude, i could like, imagine. Was... i was thinking about that i was just like dude like that has got to be seeing these guys like they're, you're looking at their eyes, and they're like, oh, my God, I hope you move out of the way. That's got to be one of those, like, groupthink scenarios where everybody in the group is like, yeah, no, we're doing the right thing, guys. Like, this is what we should be doing. And then, like, it actually comes to the reckoning time, and you're like, hey, guys, no, no, no. I, like, I maybe we should, like, maybe a couple more oil projects are, like, I'm okay with that instead of, like, losing my life over yeah, yeah. making a statement. Like, uh, we, we picked the, the unlucky seven that have to go out there, like, Everyone was like, it's a great idea. And they're like, you, 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 and you. And they're all like, actually, uh, can we rethink this? I, <laughs> On I second thought. I got the, lucky, uh, the unlucky draw. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, my bad. Uh, moving on to my bad. My bad is Danny Ricardo. I love the guy. His personality is great. He's electric, off track. But f- like from a McLaren's fan standpoint... 
Like, fuck this guy, man. Enough is enough. <laughs> you can't be qualifying P14 when your teammate's P6. Like, the, the differential, I don't know, the, like, the stats between the differential between Danny and uh, and Lando, but you got to imagine it's massive in qualifying. And on top of that, you qualify P14, you end up the race P13, which on paper looks good until you realize that five other cars in front of you were tired. So, like, you you know, relative to the, to just, like, through the attrition, you should at least be in the points. Like, I'm just so, so tired of having to, like, get to the end of a race weekend and be like, oh, man, that was the action. Let's check on, like, how McLaren feels right now. And, and Danny's like, oh, yeah, still trying to figure it out. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, you've had about a year and a half. So, like, it's, I think, I mean, I'm probably, like, late to this party, but I, I think, like, the damage is done enough where they, they have to start looking for, not even start looking for other options. Like they have to bring in the other options that they already have. There's, there's good McLaren drivers in IndyCar. There's good talent in F2. So I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating to see this week in and week out. And now, I mean, we'll get to it in the, uh, in the race recap, but now Alpine, because they are, you know, somewhat in form, Esteban Ocon got a DNF, but they closed, Alpine closed the gap to just six points. So I don't know. I, you can you can probably hear the frustration in my voice, and and I'm uh, I'm wish it weren't affecting me as much as it is, but it is truly all because of Danny. So I'm at the point where he's got some uh, you know he's got some some good graces to get back into if he's going to stay on the team. But I, I I really think that ship has sailed. I think we'll see him in IndyCar next year. Wow. So you don't think he he finally gets it to the Vegas track that he's been dying to have forever? Dude, Never what a kick the in the nuts. Damn. What a kick in the nuts. Like, he said that, how like, three or four years ago? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, yeah, I want to race in Vegas? And they're like, all right, well, we're going to give it to you, but you're not good enough to race here we're gonna, when we, And when we say you, it's the collective you, as in the people on the grid, which you, <laughs> yeah. will, which you personally you will not be on. Yeah. So, fuck Danny Ricardo is where I'm at right now. Uh, my ugly Ferrari strategy once again. Uh, kept Charles out during a time where he probably should have gone into the pits. They told him the pit window um, to Hamilton had closed. They definitely could have gotten him in, on some fresh tires and salvaged better than a P4. But, I mean, he was behind Carlos, who probably should have let him through if Charles was going to win this race. Didn't. Thank God for him. But, like, yeah, you know, he, he ended up finishing P4, one place outside of the podium, which... You know, it's not the worst thing, but again, we, we said it before, like these are the opportunities that you have to take if you're going to close the gap to the championship. And uh, I'm not sure how much you've been keeping up with the Ferrari rumors, but I think Ferrari did not go back to, or sorry, Charles Leclerc did not go back to Marinello with the rest of the Ferrari team. I think he stayed in Great Britain, then went to Monaco to have dinner with Mattia Binotto, and it just seems like there's big-time trouble in what definitely seemed like paradise at the beginning of the season here. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I, I was thinking about this, and I think we've heard and seen the frustration out of Charles the last, like, month, month and a half, and well, like, fully, fully understand the frustration. And... I, I was starting to wonder myself, like, is Ferrari going to do something about this? Because it is not just like a, a one-time thing. It's the, the the theme of every race that we've seen this year is like the incompetency of Ferrari. And so, yeah, I mean, th- something has to be done because like as, as a driver that's needed being focused on driving, he is screaming at his race engineers every week being like, hey, tell me what the strategy should be because what we currently are doing is not the right way. And they're like, uh, like keep 
keep doing this right now until we figure out our things. Like you got to be, you got to be on top of it. And they are clearly not. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. It's like, you know, Ferrari's going to fuck it up. You just don't know when it's just, it's not if yeah. it's when with Ferrari. Right. But anyway, that'll finish up my good, bad and ugly. Let's move on to our race recap. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to our race recap, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Just Stop Oil. Um, Just Stop Oil, you may have seen us laying down and sitting down on the F1 tarmac in Silverstone. Join our protest to get the attention of the masses uh, by joining in one of our upcoming events where we will disrupt the following. We will be setting up lawn chairs on the Kentucky Derby track. We'll be sitting in the middle of the tarmac at the Blue Angels show before takeoff and even playing Frogger in front of drag races. Whatever it is, help the cause by just stopping living to Just Stop Oil. I mean, would you rather take a, I'd honestly maybe take a, like a head-on-head car collision than having a, a horse run me down. Just think one of those fucking knees to the <laughs> skull. My God. In the uh, in the copy that just uh, just stop oil sent over, it's weird that they in retrospect it's weird that they included a Kentucky Derby horse race track um, to stop oil. But I, I don't know what the connection is there, but I'm sure there is one. Oh uh, yeah, I guess like what is it uh, glue or something like that? <laughs> yeah, just stop glue. Horse oil too. That's true. Yeah, dude, horse oil. I heard that shit's fast as hell. All right, <laughs> horse power. <laughs> I said they get horse power. <laughs> Is that where this comes from? That's crazy. Dude, Good to know. Did you know that? God. Dude, I learn something every day on this podcast. All right. Fuck it. Let's get into quals here. Um, I don't have too much from qualifying and NFP. We had some rain earlier on. Uh, not too much during the race, which was nice, but uh, just it did affect like the, the qualifying. Um, the main thing, I don't even want to talk about that much. I want to highlight Nicholas Latifi is an absolute monster. So coming into qualifying, there were a lot of questions about Alex Albon. Some eyes were on him because Williams had that Red Bull setup that was a lot different than uh, what they had been, you know, what they had before. Latifi was the one that didn't get it. He seemed a little bit reluctant during interviews, just saying, hey, like, this is, you know, we're going off of championship order. So, like, that's why I didn't get the upgrades. And plus, I guess Williams is poor because they're already getting penalized for going over the cost cap. Uh, but, yeah, gets gets into Q2. We were like, that's crazy. Like, good for him. You never see him in there. He was threatening to get into Q3, and we were like, okay, hold on now. Like, this is going to be big. Let's see if he can do it. Finally got into Q3, um, and then I guess my brain just turned off. Uh, like, Gotifi in my mind just kept going, and I was like, well, this guy is the best to do, to ever do it. Um, and I didn't even realize, like, I went back and watched qualifying again. He didn't even put in a, a Q3 lap. His Q3 lap was 22 seconds behind P9. So they basically the Williams team was just like, this was their Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl by going into Q3, and they were like, hey, boys, let's wrap it up. Like, no more no more work to do here. Uh, Nicholas Atifi went out for a little parade lap just to get the uh, maybe applause of some British fans and, and went into the garage. So good on him. Uh, you know, Latifi getting into Q3. I don't know if it's the first time, but I imagine it's it's – I imagine it's the first time. I don't it's got to be in on one on hand, that. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, him getting into Q3, and then our boy Carlos Sainz getting the first pole of his career, uh, just like Marco predicted. He saw it in his crystal ball. Uh, the funny part about that was that Carlos was just as shocked as we were. He was like, he, like they were like, okay, P1, P1, good job, good job. 
And he was like, oh, really? He's like, no kidding. He was like, I, I did not feel good about that. So it's like, all right, as long as you, you know, maybe you should not feel good about other races too so we can keep getting these pole positions. Yeah, that that was a, a huge surprise in the fact that I think Max's last lap, his flying lap, he got a purple first sector. And you're like, oh, okay, well, there that goes. And then he goes yellow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then I'm like starting to edge up on my seat. It's like, how bad was this yellow? And they were even talking. They're like, it's like 0. 0.3, <laughs> 0. 0.4 slower than uh, than uh, Carlos. And I was like, oh my god, that we. Hit. So you're saying there's a chance? And so long behold, man, that was that was thrilling. Yeah, I think that, uh, like going back to what you said with Latifi, I think he got up to 22, like one of the last laps too, because for the longest time it was 42 seconds behind the pace. So, which yeah. I think I I think I could do 40 second, 42 seconds behind, and I think that's what his typical <laughs> lap is. Like during the race, so uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, like the, he got to Q three and he was just like, I'm, I'm sandbagging the rest of this. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like a, a rainy, like thrilling quals, kind of what we were hoping on, like change up the pace and then moving on to uh, moving on the race itself. So we have in P five our Alpine, as Ian said, made up some places, uh, you know, really on McLaren's heels. So Fernando Alonso went from P seven to P five. And Esteban Alcon, a P15 to a DNF with 67 points. Like we said, Ocon just, I mean, was showing some pretty good pace. Uh, and then he just, you know, you saw him kind of pull off to the side, uh, starting to slow down. And yeah, reliability issue ended his race and lap 38. So about halfway through the, to the or a little over halfway through the, the race, he was uh, able, he was unable to finish. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to put up some good points. He was having some good pace. Speaking of good pace, Fernando Alonso, like very competitive, all race up until the last final rate, like up until the last final laps, which I mean, that thrilling after that restart was just mayhem. That was so much fun. Um, seeing him come up, uh, as the fourth car shooting for that, like P2 through P5 fight was thrilling. Like that was one of the most fun two three four laps that i'd seen in a long long time and so yeah seeing him kind of pop up with the the other big dogs of uh ferrari a mercedes and then and then himself was uh was great to see and i think probably something that we've seen this pace out of alpine and it's something that i think they've got to be pretty excited about um relative to you know what we had seen or like what people thought were going into the year for them yeah they, they don't have it, – it seems like when one of them has a bad weekend, the other one has a good enough weekend right. to make up for it. Like they have the consistency as a team. The drivers are kind of up and down. I remember Fernando ended up like P9 when he called P2 uh, last go-around in Canada. But, yeah, man, like they, they are, they are a, a team that always has something to root for, which is nice because moving on to our P4 team of McLaren – uh, I mean, we can root for Lando, but with 73 points as a team, just like I mentioned earlier, six points ahead of Alpine, uh, Lando calling P6, ending P6, Danny Rick calling P14, ending P13. I'm just so done with Ricardo, man. Like, it's it was so frustrating just to see, like, hey, do so, you know that meme where, like, the little stick figure guy is, is pushing a stick at something? Like, hey, do something. Do That's how I felt with Ricardo. Yeah, the, the yeah. whole race. I'm like, hey, please please drive faster than you're doing right now. Um, it just doesn't seem like he can. So, uh, you know, Lando, steady but quiet. Home GP holding on to P6 from quality to flag is so much ridiculously better than, you know, losing a position or just only gaining one position with cars retiring in front of you like Danny Rick. So, um, yeah, 
patience is very, very much at its wit's end with Danny Ricardo. Uh, I don't really know what else to say, man. I mean, it's like it's kind of an inevitability that Alpine is going to overtake McLaren next race, I feel. And that's going to be a sucker punch to the gut when, you know, I just... Just like at the end of last year, there was so much hope. And like, all right, Danny Rick had a season under his belt. He's no longer like a McLaren rookie. Uh, you know, like, let's let's see what we can do next year. Let's try to take the fight to whoever's straggling in the last, like, you know, top of the, or I guess in the last third, like th- P3, maybe sneak onto that podium on the constructors. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And that is mega frustrating. Yeah, probably never good when one driver's got... 80% of your total points. So um, usually yep, that's, that's not awesome. a that's not awesome. necessarily Sick. a car problem. That is Jesus a specific driver Christ. problem. So yeah, 80, 80%, I think, um, which is, yeah, um, tough for Danny. I mean, I, I you think, like, he just doesn't have, like, he's got to have lost his, not maybe even a little bit of drive. Like, I think he's he was always a guy that was, like, racing wasn't his, like life or death kind of thing. And maybe, you know, after hearing and seeing his performance and then hearing all the, the talks behind his back and all the people kind of ripping on him that maybe he's just kind of, he's, he's kind of halfway half foot out. Cause it definitely seems like, you know, he'll maybe put a foot back in every fourth or fifth race. But um, yeah, it's always been more of a surprise than anything. If we see a good weekend out of Danny, which is like we said, like, you know, one of the, the most compelling kind of drivers that we've seen in recent history. And it's just, man, he's, he has fallen off, you know, the, the figurative podium pretty hard. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, it's great to see him bring in all the fans and, and everybody enjoy like his kind of off track antics and his personality. But like at the end of the day, man, if you're not performing for your team, then you don't deserve a spot. And I would rather have a boring driver that's delivering results for my team than a very fun driver who is disappointing me week in and week out. So I was going to say the one really positive thing was, man, it was funny when Danny hit Lando right in the face with those little bouncy things. That was that was actually fantastic. Did you see that? I, okay, here's the here's little hippie the hops? problem. Yeah, I saw those. Here's the problem: is that normally I would I would have laughed at that. But it's like, hey, you don't you don't have the authority. Like, you haven't afforded that. You know, like, you, you be who you can afford you to be fun. right now. You cannot have fun right now, dude. dude they've Stop been laughing. Having, yeah, don't, you, they have been having – they had uh, with uh, – what's his face? The comedian. James uh, Corden. Yeah. James Corden, dude. They were walking around like his little, like, puppy dogs uh, with their shirts half off. And, yeah, dude, they're just – they're enjoying the non-racing aspect of it a little too much. Like he is, Danny is, which is my problem. Like if Lando would have done that to Danny, I'd been like, sorry, that's objectively hilarious. And that's frustration coming out of Lando being like, hey, fucking do something. Yeah. Any other year, if Danny did that to Lando, it would be hilarious. But it's like, yeah, man, it's just, it's you be who you can afford to be. And right now, Danny cannot afford to be his normal self. So something's got to give here. And I don't think it's a performance that's going to (laughs) give. Nope. I don't think it is. Uh, Well, Speaking of performance, we have a pretty good performance out of Mercedes, at least one of them. Uh, So we have uh, George Russell, who was out before the first turn from a P8 to a DNF. But the good performance that we were speaking of was Lewis Hamilton, a P5 to a P3. They have 204 points, so uh, 61 points behind Mercedes. Actually, you know, they had been kind of nipping out their heels slowly the last couple weeks. But uh, yeah, Ferrari kind of pushed ahead a little bit. George, like we said, finally loses his P5 streak after nine, ten races. So um, that was, you know, obviously not a lot of people saw it coming. 
this guy did. Um, as we said, Mercedes was coming in with a bunch of new upgrades. Uh, typically, like I said, upgrades usually mean bad thing, which, I mean, if we look back at the Williams, tough day. We look back at at least one of the Mercedes, tough day. So uh, I think we're still kind of on that. If a team comes in with major upgrades, uh, something bad is going to happen. But yeah, I mean, he was definitely trying to pull this Seb Lewis, like I'm a really good guy, like right when they crash, like, I, I just had sat down, I think, to watch this race. And then we see this the semantics. I, I saw him jump out of the car and just start running. And I thought he was just like, get me out of here. I'm done, you know? And because uh, they didn't sheer, see and show where he was going, which I wish they did because it was he was running to Albon to making sure that he was all right. I feel like there was another car maybe on the track that they should have been checking on before Alex. Uh, I don't know, like one, one that was over like 17 barriers and like leaning up against the fence. But um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was pretty wild. Like he was him being a part of that. He kind of got, I think him and Albon kind of got in bubble card and Russell. Yeah. Just took a hard, hard hit. Was it Russell that took the hard hit into uh Joe, right? Or was it Gasly? Yeah. Pierre hit Russell, Pierre hit yeah. Russell and then Russell hit, hit like, uh, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he just, you know, Russell was coming in on, I think Gasly, Gasly tried to back off, and then he just kept going and just swipe, sideswiped the hell out of Joe, causing a total mayhem. Bumper cars are everywhere, so it's tough for him. Lewis, I mean, you know, you got to give it to him. There was a point in the race where I was like, if this guy can pull off a win dude, this dude. weekend, the the entire stadium would have been erupted. And, like, there was a point where he, pa- he was passing uh, Lando Norris, obviously both from uh, the U.K., and no matter, like, I'm sure he's beloved there, um, Lando, but I mean, the roar that we heard him passing even Lando, where it's like, this guy is the the poster child for UK. It doesn't matter who, if it's George, if it's uh, Lando, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, Lewis is going to be their favorite child no matter what. And every single time he passed a car, the crowd went nuts. Him passing Max was exhilarating too. I mean, it was just like, it was... It was probably a great feeling for him to just no. I mean, I'm sure he was kind of wanting. He had a chance for P2, uh, but I'm sure he could not have. As long as he's on the podium, that's a good weekend for him. I I mean, I was I I had the same thought. I was very concerned that Lewis Hamilton was going to win the British Grand Prix and be like, oh my god, like the the what what stronger momentum swing can a driver have than winning a Grand Prix that you're not supposed to win? Like in that car, I don't think there was a chance of him like winning going into it if, if you ask most like analysts but like yeah him winning that that would have been a very terrifying occurrence for the rest of the grid um but even still like even though he didn't he didn't win he was on the podium he had an awesome double overtake when uh when sergio and Charles were fighting so yeah i think like all in all this is definitely a, a w for lewis hamilton in terms of like momentum and just like how he's overall feeling going into uh going into austria this weekend and next up Let's talk about Ferrari, the unfortunate occurrence that is Ferrari. Um, Like you mentioned, only 61 points ahead of Mercedes. Carlos getting his first win, riding confidence from Montreal, looking super solid. Again, first pole, first win. I think, like, you know, this this was just a big celebration day for Carlos. Um, The whole team was celebrating Carlos, you know, right after the race, except for Charles Leclerc, which understandably, uh, like, I think any driver would be like, hey, guys, 
fucking enough of you guys just absolutely destroying any chance that I have of taking like, I mean, not even just a checkered flag, but like getting on the podium. I think he drove super well when he was left out with those, uh, with those old tires, but still, man, like you could tell the, I think there's a, there's a picture that's going to live in infamy and definitely get memed a lot where the team is taking a picture for Carlos's first win. And he is just stone faced. Like he is just like, you know, no emotion coming out of him except for just pure rage and rightly so, like we said. So I don't know, man. I'm starting to get nervous for Ferrari. They have a better car than Mercedes right now, so I think that that like does give a healthy buffer. But I think Ferrari is a is a good team that is not improving, whereas Mercedes is an okay team that is improving a lot. And so they de- like you know four to five races from now, who knows where that where that P two P three setup is going to be? But yeah, it's just just making me nervous for Ferrari as a team. I think um, we like maybe like three times so far this year uh, ahead of this race we've talked about how like ferrari race engineers should lose their job and even saw some i, I saw some funny people on twitter like uh sending their resume and tagging scooter rear ferrari being like hey i don't have any experience but if you give me a shot i'm positive that i can do better than what you have right Can't now do worse. I'm like honestly do worse. yeah <laughs> like, i tend to agree so yeah best of luck to them going forward but uh there does seem to be a bit of a black cloud over the team as a whole so uh yeah making me a little nervous yeah yeah and uh like charles kept saying during that interview it's just like it's bittersweet like that's great for the team and great for carlos but my God, like I should have been up there as well. Like I, I might've deserved that, that one as well. And honestly, like I think Red Bull might have had the, the best car so far this year. Like I know there's been some races where Red Bull has showed some um, better performance, but I mean, I honestly, it's definitely not, um, you know, the, the gap that they have now and like the gap that Max has to, to Carlos, like it's, or or, uh, the Max, or the or the gap that Max has to Charles, and so yeah, I mean it's just been it's been internal problems, not the car, not the driver. So yeah, I mean it's something that if it's not going to change, then they're going to be battling for second, and uh, first is just going to um, you know run away with it. Speaking of first, we have Red Bull, Max Verstappen, P two to um, a rare drop to P seven, Sergio Perez P four to a strong P two finish with three hundred and twenty eight points. Yeah, like we said, Max hit some debris off of the AlphaTauri, slowed his car down quite a bit, and just, you know, they said he didn't have the rear um, stability uh, to to really compete, and so he's just kind of struggling on the corners. Sergio was, and I mean, to give it to Max, too, like, for him to still come out with P7 with having that, I, I would feel like very rare do drivers pull that off. I bet some of the drivers just say, hey, I'll call it quits. Like, there's something wrong with the car. I'm done. And he was, and it seemed like they're, you know, listening to the radio too. I was like, is he going to quit? Like there was a few, he was just frustrated. He's like, the car, the tires yeah. are messed up. The car's messed up. Something's wrong. Like, yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing we can do. Just kind of have to fight it through. And so, yeah, I mean, props to him for still making out at P7. Like we saw the debris. He was holding it up. What, uh, what part of that alpha tower? It was a good, good chunk. So, um, yeah. for, for a, being a, a tough P7, it's a, it's a strong P7. Like we said, Sergio, a P2. That those last ten right, those last ten laps or so after the restart were exhilarating. Uh, I mean, I, I thought oh, I was yeah. more surprised and most surprised about Carlos just breaking ahead so quick compared to the other three drivers. That, I think that was the biggest surprise to me. But uh, man, was it fun seeing Sergio, Charles, uh, Lewis, and then you know towards the end Fernando all kind of battling in. Like 
It, it just, it looked like a video game where it was just like passing was just so easy and so normal that it was, but everyone was being able to stick, stick to each other until obviously Charles kind of lost performance on those hard tires, those older hards. But uh, man, like I, I think that was a strong performance. I think Red Bull is walking away from this, like could not have been happier for the situation that they were put in. Like, I, I, I mean, obviously Ferrari cut the gap, but it could have been so, so much worse. And it was, you know, fault to Ferrari and just, you know, tip of the cap to Red Bull for, for doing that. So I think it's a little bit of both. And I think Red Bull is just sitting on top, just being like, look, Ferrari's just going to cannibalize himself the way that they're making these decisions. Um, and we keep doing what we're doing and we, uh, you know, mitigate some major issues like we did on this weekend. They're going to be, they're going to be looking like a, a Mercedes constructor drivers championship that we've seen the last, you know, seven, eight years, uh, you know, one for themselves now. Yeah. Nope. I think, uh, just overall, they, they don't have too much to complain about given the situation that they ran into. So, um, yeah, let's move on from our race, uh, recap to our haikus. All right, Marco, start us off with a haiku. Let's take a quick break from the serious stuff and get into our poetic side. I would like you to start. Okay, I'll start. My haiku is Carlos finally P1. Wait, fuck. Whoa. Whoa. Wrong. Carlos <laughs> finally P1. That's the middle one. Sorry. It's your seven. All right. Yay. Carlos P1. Joe is somehow still alive. Best race of the year. Nice. Thanks. Uh, we are just about as close to a haiku as possible. <laughs> Joe barely alive. Lewis owns Max in Britain. Signs spicy Spaniard. Nice. Yeah, we. <laughs> if I would have had Lewis, we would have had. All right, good stuff. Let's get into our race predictions recap. Unfortunately, before we get to that. This part of the podcast is brought to you by, once again, PETA. PETA has been restless at trying to take down that sick, sick puppy, Nicholas Latifi. If, for those of you listening that don't remember, he spit in the face of PETA and he smashed the face of a poor groundhog. We set up a massive play to prove what he did was intentional. This past race, we had multiple operatives jump onto the track to prove that Latifi what to prove what Latifi did in Canada was no mistake. We put a facade saying it's about oil. It wasn't. It was about Nicholas Latifi. First of all, this man was Whoa. good enough to make Q3. And second of all, he apparently does have the dexterity to avoid live animals and human beings on the track. Most people were actually giving him the benefit of the doubt when this happened in Canada, saying that he's just so bad at driving, he didn't mean to kill our beloved George the Groundhog. But in fact, he was able to miss slower and much larger human beings and a lot more of them too. So we continue the path to get him to push, push out of F1 and push, push into jail. Hashtag fuck that guy. Oh, nice. Well, thanks, Peter. So three ads in two episodes of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. It's crazy we're, that we're going to change that name pretty soon. <laughs> Maybe. The, like, Eaton Asphalt podcast brought to you by PETA, I guess. Yeah. The Australian Grand Prix. Uh, this intense track, formerly called the Osterreich Ring back 
1970 on an old airfield circuit has been deemed the Red Bull Ring since around 1995. So uh, around 1995, the famous Herman, T uh, Herman Tilk had the honor in 96 to turn the track into a shorter, more modern track, and shorter it sure is. So it is very small. We have three, for how small it is, three DRS zones, a mere 10 corners. So, uh, you know, that is something that we're not used to seeing, just, a, just 10 corners, 71 laps. So while it's only, while it is we, uh, the, Red Bull being, the Red Bull ring packs a lot into a short lap. So the first half pretty much like rewards a ton of power. So the cars blast along three straights separated by a pair of uphill right-handers. So it's just like as, if your car has the horsepower to really get up these these kind of uphill um, right-handers, that is just something that is going to really bode well. Uh, I think Red Bull has always been super, super strong, uh, hence the Red Bull ring, but uh, super, super strong on this track because of that power. But then on the second half of the, the track, uh, completely different. So the drivers kind of work down their way downhill. The circuit almost becomes like a toboggan ride. So they're just, you know, kind of weaving back and forth, uh, some sharp turns as well. So they canyon through a series of quick, quick corners, including the exhilarating Rent right-hander named for Austria's first F1 champion. A little bit more about this track. It is set in the natural bowl of the Styrian Mountains. So it's just like a picture perfect if you can think of like, you know, European, Eastern European, just beautiful mountain range. This is like in the middle of this. So it's just like a very cool um idealistic type of environment to go into uh it's right down the street to the museum it is right down the street in the museum of graz to, dedicated to the city's favorite son arnold schwarzenegger so if you were to go to the track you're you know able to see some formula one you're able to see the legend himself arnold schwarzenegger's museum so um yeah i mean i think it's just a really cool track like we said just super small uh, but it is just intense and like you're going to start seeing I think one of the, a track like this you're going to start seeing some major separation between the drivers so it's like you're going to see a good amount of overlapping like uh, a lot of blue flags too so uh, you're just going to see like like the better cars are going to be way way ahead um, and so like I, I don't see it really necessarily being what we saw this past race where you know we're going to see potentially unless we see these yellows and stuff but potentially four or five guys kind of in the mix for the top three spots we will see but uh to talk about the weather this upcoming weekend we have a on friday 60 percent chance of rain and storms saturday is a high of 73 and partially cloudy so it should be a clean day there but sunday so we're kind of flipping it off from this past weekend sunday 70 percent chance of rain and a high of 69 so um I mean, it worked out very, very well for us uh, last weekend with rainy qualls and then a, a nice weather on Sunday. So maybe we get lucky as well with a, a nice qualls and then a rainy Sunday to just make a great weekend. So uh, maybe that's the, the little secret that we need is that, you know, having different weather two days in a row is like ideal for Formula One drivers. I think so. Just Formula One fans for sure, just because you can't really get all the data that you need to make like informed decisions about your setup on the car. So yeah, I'm I'm excited just about like just the variability in that. I think does make for a better viewing experience, like we saw this past weekend and like we saw in Canada. So um, yeah, man, I'm I'm ready for it. Austria was a I think uh, you know I remember Max winning here, Valtteri's won here, Lewis obviously is one here. So uh, I think there's uh, a bunch of different people that like 
that like this track. Um, just be, you know, given it's a it's a short one, you don't really have to remember all the, you know, 22 different laps or different turns rather that you have to, uh, you know, remember in a place like Jetta or something like that. But yeah, I, I think there's nothing but excitement as always, especially with how much excitement we saw on the British Grand Prix. Um, I think, call me crazy, but I think that Al, Alex Albon may not race because even though Joe had the big like TV attention crash that got all the attention, I think Albon got T-boned you know, in that dust up. So um, I think he might not be racing. There's a bunch of different stuff that we're going to wait to see how it plays out on uh, on this coming weekend. So uh, I think I think that's all we have coming up. That was a big, uh, big episode recapping Britain and looking ahead to Austria. But any last words before we send the people off into the weekend? And as I'm saying that, <laughs> Marco just reminded me that we did not do our race predictions recap, most likely because Marco absolutely bent me over and spanked me. So I am going to uh, go first with my race predictions recap. I got two right. Normally that's something to celebrate. Um, I got the crash of DNF for Guan Yu Zhou. So that was a big crash in DNF. Um, and my wildcard prediction was that Mick Schumacher would end up in the points. Uh, he finally did. So... Um, yeah, those are the two uh, two race predictions I got right. All right, well, uh, I will go next. Uh, Ian, incorrectly, does not know how to count. So I did not have that great <laughs> of a weekend, but the ones I did get were I was pretty proud of. Who do we think would crash for DNF? I went with George to end his uh, so first of the year for him not to get P5, first of the year not to get to get a DNF. Winner, Carlos, first time in his career in 150th. In his 150th race, it's winner in his 150th race, he got pole. So uh, I think that was just, uh, I went all chips on the table for Carlos and uh, a lot of those paid out. So I got three on that round. Um, did he not get fastest lap? No, Lewis did. Well, oh yeah, he did. It was the very end. Fucker. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I ended up with three in with two, uh, which separates the the score to a 15 14 um game so as happy as i was thinking that i had a two-point lead and just did that on purpose probably to get my hopes up so uh, one point lead i'll take <laughs> it uh moving into our race predictions for this upcoming race i know ian hasn't and neither do i i have not looked in this because uh i kind of forgot about it so uh who do we think will crash <laughs> or dnf i'm gonna go with Latifi, or no, I'm going to go with Alex Ablon or his replacement driver. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with uh, George Russell. I think we opened the floodgates and George is going to lose some confidence, be annoyed with himself, and uh, not do too well. Um, for my winner... I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna copy you. I think Carlos is gonna bring this one home again. Just having, he's obviously super confident. So give me, uh, give me Carlos winning. All right, I'm gonna go with his teammate. I just. I'm an idiot to think that he they're going to turn it around, but I just I feel like he thinks that we, they can. It's just a matter of when. I'm starting not to believe that, but I got to go with Charles just in the hopes that they actually do. Yeah. Um, my last place is going to be Alex Albin or his replacement. <laughs> okay. I'm just playing it safe a little bit. Yeah, you went all in the first, like last round. Now you're just kind of. I mean, these can't both happen, so <laughs> that's the only problem. Uh, 
All right, last place for me is going to be Danny Ricardo. I'm obviously fed up enough with him. I don't think it's crazy to think he gets last place here. My driver of the day, on the other hand, um, I've picked Lando. I've picked Lewis the last couple weeks. Um, you know, for this one, I think I just, I think I just got to send it, and I'm going to go with uh, give me, give me Valtteri Bottas. Whoa, he's been a little quiet these past couple of weeks. Not no more. Not no more. I'm going to go with Lewis. I feel like he's been starting to figure out the car. The car's been improving, and I believe he got it last last week. But also, yep. I mean, I feel like it's a little – he could have went from P5 to P8 and probably won it. Yeah. No, actually, Sergio got it, but 20.7 versus 20%. Uh, 20.7% versus 20% uh, between Sergio and Lewis. So Lewis barely lost out, which was crazy because I had sure. Lewis prediction for that. Well, check the tapes. Check the voting machines, you know. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Uh, all right, Dish of the Day. Dish of the Day brought to you by our one and only Summer's Eve. My Dish of the Day is going to be... It's going to be... I'm going to copy you from last week, Lance Stroll. All right, I like that one. I would have done Lance Stroll again just because I think he's a douche. I'm going to go with Guan Yu Zhou. Uh, I think his brain's going to be a little fuzzy, having taken all that impact, and <laughs> I think he makes a, great, a move that is somewhat a, questionable here. God damn it, yep, I should have uh, done album and replacement driver. <laughs> it's probably soup. Uh, yep, my wild card prediction. Man, it's tough to do this one off the top. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say no Mercedes or uh, Ferrari on the podium. Oh, jeez. Wow, that's wild. Um, I am going to say... Do a number uh, of cars that are at, that get out. Oh, that's your thing. That's your thing. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna yeah take one from from uh, old Ian's book. I'm gonna go with four exactly four cars DNF. God, I love that pick. I love that pick. <laughs> Such a good number. Such a fucking good number. <laughs> all what right. about fastest lap? Fastest lap. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Max. Do a All little right, bit of. I got to do one chalk this entire this entire time. Fair enough. I've gone Red Bull and uh, and Ferrari the last couple of weeks. So give me a Mercedes driver. Give me um, give me George Russell, who I also picked for Crash or DNF. Uh, yeah, I, that could still happen. You never know. That's true. That's true. Um, pole position. I mean, shit, man. He looks like he's in form. Give me Carlos Sainz again. So give me a pole position and winner for Carlos Sainz on my end. All right, fuck it. If you're doing that, I'm following you. I'm going Charles. Ferrari. Okay. Dude, That's Ferrari right. gets poles. That's their thing. It's just they don't know how to, to race on Sunday. Yeah, man. They So they've gotten seven out of the ten poles uh, for, for this season. And so the fact that they only have, I think, like three wins is so, so atrocious. But, yeah, yeah man, I think that'll... Uh, that'll wrap up our race predictions. Man, this was a long episode. We had a lot to cover, so this is going to be a lovely one to edit. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we, as always, we appreciate everybody for listening. A lot of good energy from that British Grand Prix uh, that we need to take into the Austrian Grand Prix. So uh, any last words before we send the people off into the weekend for real this time, Marco? No, do you, you've been working on that Austrian accent, though, right? To send us home? I don't even know. I don't even know what they speak over there. Is it Austrian the language? German? I think I it's German. Uh, is it? I don't Austrian think. Austrian. Do something uh, what, like Arnold would say. 
Oh, well, they say that the official language is German. So how about mm. that? Look at that. All right. I learned something we should every, end this episode. every day on this podcast. Yeah, yeah let's get out of <laughs> here. <laughs> All right, see you, assholes. See you, assholes.